Freeman. What do you know about magic? <laughs> I know we were all meant to go through trials and tribulations. But this magic is haunting us, testing us. It's like the devil. Perfect alignment. That's how you upset the balance of nature. I'm doing this to protect us. It's too much at stake. They come for you, you damn sure make them work for them. I say no, no. Hello, welcome once again to A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast, a weekly podcast on the HBO television series Lovecraft Country, based on the novel by Matt Ruff. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how's it going? Uh, I'm fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right, doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri? This is Kevin. Kevin, I hear that you miss uh, the leaves changing in New York, upstate New York. Ah, uh, yes, very much. Well, it's the leaves are changing here in Missouri, but not as much as New York. And it's a lot cooler in New York, which is what I also miss. Oh, yeah. I understand. Me too. I understand. Uh, and uh, very well, very well. Um, so uh, for folks who are curious where they can find us, uh, you can find us wherever you're listening to us right now. But uh, for... Other information, uh, darkdiscussions.com is the website. Uh, why is that? Because this is part of the Dark Discussions network of podcasts, uh, so we use that website. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at darkdiscussion1. Our email, darkdiscussions at aol.com, or just go to the contact form on uh, darkdiscussions.com. And we are also uh, anywhere podcasts are found, so... You know, uh, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, etc. Uh, you can find us at any of those spots. Uh, if you want to uh, email us, uh, please do. Uh, we would certainly read your email on the podcast, uh, specifically if it is a legitimate email and not a troll email. Uh, so far, we haven't had any troll emails. I think we've only had a couple of troll emails in the history of uh, the Dark Discussions Network. Uh, so we, we've been pretty good with uh, our listeners. Um, also, uh, what we try to do here, basically we are trying to critique and review each episode. So obviously uh, we're assuming everybody who is listening to this has already watched the television show. Because if you're not a fan of the television show or, or, or just watch the television show, you don't have to be a fan. Uh, you, you wouldn't even know what, what we're talking about. So obviously you are here specifically to hear different opinions of what we saw. We basically review each episode weekly. And uh, this is uh, a episode uh, number nine of the podcast, but number eight on specific, uh, I guess, episodes of 
the TV show. This one is episode eight called Jig Bobo, uh, directed by Misha Green, uh, who is actually the showrunner. She wrote this as well uh, as uh, a co-writer, uh, Huoma O4 Dyer, who uh, I'm not quite familiar with. It aired October 4th, 2020. Uh, we're recording this on October 5th, 2020. There is no data for viewership. So we can't say how many people watched this episode. It'll be curious to see because uh, a lot of folks seem to uh, be disappointed with episode seven. It'll be curious to see if there's a dip, but uh, that information has not been released yet. Um, all right. So I guess we can go around and discuss uh, our thoughts, uh, just a you know, general synopsis of what we felt about the episode. So uh, let's start with you, Mike. Um. I wasn't a big fan of this episode. There were some good moments in it. I found that this was uh, the last three episodes kind of coming home to roost because they crammed so much stuff in so quickly. Uh, In addition to tying it to um, certain historical events that I kind of found it discombobulating. I didn't find it had time to breathe. And I did think there were issues where um, they just pointlessly withheld information from the audience where more information might have been helpful. Um, if you're into this for you know the horror movie stuff, I do think they did a, uh, a good job with the, uh, the, the characters of uh, Topsy and Bobsy, who were the, sort of the nightmare creatures. Uh, I think that that was disturbing. I think it's the most disturbing thing that we've had in a while. And also the the blood orgy, I thought was uh, not bloody, but uh, blood orgasm. I thought was really uh, well done. Uh, so in terms of the horror imagery, it leaned more into it in this episode uh, than in the last few. But I just felt that it was a lot of patchwork stuff to get the plot to where they're probably trying to get to for the next episode. I really did feel for a few minutes like I had missed an episode at the start of this one. Sure, sure. Still there, Mike? Yeah, I'm, I'm still That's all I have to say. Okay, I wasn't sure. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I uh, was, unfortunately, I, I felt uh, the episode was somewhat boring. Um, there there uh is a blood orgy uh, in the last three minutes of the episode, which kind of piqued my interest. But to get there, it, it felt somewhat um, uh, prodding. I felt, um, and it, and it came out of nowhere, which is fine. A lot, a lot of those blood orgies come out of nowhere. But the rest of the episode, I just felt was kind of slow and boring, at least for me. It also felt very episodic. And when I say that, I don't mean in a good way, because, again, we we don't have an episode focused really on Tick and Letitia, uh, because we have this whole extra story um, uh, about Deanna and her stuff. And then we have more of um, Ruby and and not that those stories are are, are bad, but. Again, it, it takes away from the the main plot again and and so only a, like a third of this episode kind of follows the the main 
the storyline that uh, the first three to four episodes seem to focus on. Um, and I, guess, I don't know if that's bad, but, but it, it definitely um, makes the amount of time they spend on each character somewhat, if not confusing, uh, uh, I don't know the term, but it, it's, it's just, it's just there. I feel, uh, so I, I wasn't a big fan of the episode and, uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, what Mike kind of said, and I know, uh, Kevin and Barrett may, may feel some of the things that Mike said, uh, is right on and, and they can probably say it better than, than I have or so I guess I'll, I'll just pass it over to you, Barrett. Um, like Mike, I kind of felt like this was a bridge set up, put the pieces into place episode. Um, it was, I don't know if I would say I was bored, but it was not an episode that felt good to me at all. Like I liked the th- last three minutes. I thought that scene was great. Um, but before then, um, like the whole scene with the Topsy and Bobsy, whatever their names are that were following D around felt like felt like the movie us to me okay that that's what that felt like to me like it was ripped right out of that movie almost even though they're spirits but i don't know something about that whole thing didn't just bothered me and then there the editing was not great again there are pieces that i'm like did i miss something what am i watching here why is this happening um and it just it or there were scenes that didn't even probably need to be in the episode and I, I think the things I liked about it most were like the last three minutes, like I said, and then there was some character building between Montrose and Tick that I liked. Other than that, I can't say it was the greatest episode. Um, it was better than last week's, but probably my second least favorite episode of the season. It just felt like a throwaway episode, episode to get everybody into place. All right, very good. Uh, Kevin? Well, I'm... I found myself actually enjoying this one a little bit more. Uh, granted, considering the last couple episodes we had, maybe maybe that's why. But uh, I found myself a little bit more maybe paying attention on this one. I don't know. Yeah, uh, to, to repeat myself, I found this to be a lot more uh, plot development, which I was happy to see uh, and i understand the whole how it was choppy here and there and there were scenes in there that were just not um you know we didn't feel what was necessary i will say though one of the reasons why i also like this one partially there's some humorous parts to it uh you know and we'll, we'll get into it later but between uh, actually between uh, montrose and tick uh, and then there was another, actually a couple funny scenes between Montrose and Tick, now that I think about it. And I have to admit that this was one of the creepier episodes, if you will, with uh, the, I, I I don't know what the kid, the, the dancing girls' names were, because I, I never read Uncle Tom's Cabin. But, um, I mean, those, those girls were pretty freaky. Ah. Uh, which is good. We, you know, it's like if you wanted if you wanted a horror TV show, now you've got some horror elements to it. And I I have a feeling that uh, you know, you're talking about blood two people mentioned here blood orgy. I have a feeling you ha- you your your definition of blood orgy is different 
because at one end, it, you know, there was a there was a bloody sex scene, but that's not an orgy because obviously an orgy takes up more than two people. And uh, the you know, if you're talking about the end of the show, I don't know if I would call that a blood orgy, but of course I'm being literal. But no, the, um, uh, the the blood orgy is actually a term left over from the opening scene of the movie Blade, and that's why that's why it slipped out of my uh, out of my mouth, and that's why I tried to correct myself to blood orgasm. Um, yeah, I was referring to the scene with Ruby and um, well, whoever that is, William, Christina, however you want to call it, Christina slash Williams. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and that's yeah, and that was kind of a uh, oh well, there's something you don't see every day. Um, and I don't know how William slash Christina's reaction to that was going to be, but, uh, obviously it didn't seem to stop him, uh, from continuing, but, uh, and of course at the end, you know, we definitely have a, a bloodbath, uh, a slaughter, mass slaughter. And during the fact that these are all pretty bad police officers um the sympathy for them really isn't there considering the fact well we'll get to that later but anyway uh, in a nutshell i i have to admit this was one of my more enjoyed episodes i'd say this is probably my third i like the first two and then this one as far as my top you know three if you will all right, sounds good. All right, so it seems like um, uh, it's a mixed mixed uh, experience for uh, the co-host on the episode. So uh, that's actually good because maybe we'll get a, a, a discussion that will um, be fruitful for those who are listening. Uh, so I guess we can talk about everything and anything. Spoiler alert, be damned, because again, folks who are listening are obviously listening because they probably already follow the show meaning the television show um and they've seen the episode all right so uh what do we want to discuss i mean obviously there's there's three storylines there's the ruby storyline there's the the deanna storyline and there's the the leticia slash tick storyline uh there's a couple of woke things where they talk about stuff uh you know we, we can throw those in and discuss that whenever uh they well i in. think we have to kind of start with where it starts right because it's it starts and the framing thing for the entire episode is is the the case of emmett till yes yes yeah okay all right explain explain what that is i i'm not too familiar with this is this a real thing in real life i, I don't know right this is a real thing and i've heard the name and first of all they the Unless I missed it, they don't refer to him as Emmett Till, or I don't remember them referring to him Emmett Till in the beginning of the episode. Um, then how do you then the, how do you know it's related to this Emmett Emmett Till? Till, Till person? Well, they would use the name Emmett. Eventually, they do, but not at the beginning. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, right. Right. And so Emmett Till is someone who was. Oh um, yeah, I, I'm familiar with this case. Yeah. Okay. I just looked it up. And the picture of, of who, yeah, I, I'm familiar with it, but continue, Mike, you explain it for the audience. All right, so this is someone who was, was um, I don't want to say lynched, because that's technically not what it was, uh, but was murdered uh, down in uh, Mississippi, Mississippi. Yeah. Um, while he was on summer vacation from Chicago. So he was from Chicago. Um, and they do describe it in the episode about, you know, the, the barbed wire and around his neck and being drowned and 
It was a horrible, gruesome thing. Uh, it is considered a um, a catalyst to sort of the next stage of the this, this civil rights movement. Um, and, and I don't, I in no way, shape, or form, an expert in in that history to to say how true that is or not. But if we work on that, I just found it a little weird that we throw it in there. Uh, and maybe this is a difference I, I, I imagine, and this is something I've been trying to say for a while now, and a lot of people have, is that, you know, there are things that if you're in the black community and you're raised in a black family and connected to a black that you will know about that they don't really teach as much in, in, in school. And you kind of take for granted that if you're a growing in a very white bread area like I did, you probably don't hear as often or understand the import and the significance of it. So I, I don't right. well, 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 to be to be fair, Mike, if I could interject, right. to be fair, uh, most school systems, at least our age, I, I think, kind of start with the finding of the United States and end with uh, like the Civil War. We don't I never even got into the World War Two except to talk about the Holocaust. Didn't know anything about Korea or Vietnam, never mind the civil rights or anything else. So the school system it was bizarre. Every year we would start history and and it would be almost the same thing every year. It it wasn't like the extent you know, the first year of high school it was the finding of America to uh, the revolution and then the revolution to the Indian wars and then the Indian wars to world war. You know, they didn't do that. It was kind of weird. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's not how I, that's not how it works in New York. I obviously cannot that's, speak to. Uh, yeah, you're things. right. It's not how it worked in New York. Yeah, okay. I mean, in New, in New York, I mean, we, we started kind of with more with, uh, I wouldn't say ancient history, but history kind of in Europe and Africa and all that sort of thing. And then. Yeah. yeah then we did all sophomore yeah. year was, uh, um, European history. European history up to pretty much the the coming the, you know America and then junior year was the United States pretty much from the colonies to revolution all the way up to I mean we covered World War One World War Two Vietnam War barely and then you know as much of uh, modern as we can in, uh, with, in, with in fairness Hill, with, at, at our age the Vietnam War barely had time to get into textbooks so. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but the thing is, Emmett Till, I just read about him, uh, believe it or not, in a book I was reading for a church class I was in. And I mentioned this book last week, I think. And um, and I mean, this this poor guy was just I'm, I mean, and they even mentioned it a little bit in the in the in the episode where they said, you know, they had an open coffin and they the, the mother chose to do show how badly beaten he was to get to wake people up and say, this is what is happening. Something has got to be done. I mean, it got to the point where, where his eye was beaten out of its socket. It was kind of like a, a Glenn from uh, walking dead type of thing. I mean, his eye was just out and I don't know how they, they did that, but I mean, they, they showed it in all its gruesomeness and, they're pretty much saying something's got to be done here because I'm getting sick of this. And, uh, yeah, it was, and all the guy did was he was, he was in the South and I think he like made a comment towards a, a white woman, an attractive white girl passing by. That yeah, was he did it. like a cat call or something. He like did that, like, which, he did like yeah. a cat call or something like that. You know, <laughs> no, you did. You did. If you were, you, you did not cat call a pretty white girl in the South, if you were black. Right. 
No, no. Obviously and, not. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the whole point is, is that it was something they, they killed him for something. Right. It was stupid. innocuous. It was innocuous. Right. He did and, nothing and, illegal. He did nothing illegal. And then, and then okay. there was lying about it on the stands and the trial. The, the 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 murderers got off and then publicly admitted it afterwards uh, in a magazine interview. And then they couldn't because of double jeopardy. They apparently could not be horrible. This isn't a case of where there's a misunderstanding. This was a case where somebody was unjustly murdered and and people lied about it and got away with literally got you, away you with murder. You know what's weird is that. Assuming they lied under oath and then admitted later, even though, you know, you know, talk is talk and, and usually can just be waved off. They could have been retried for lying under oath, maybe. You know what I'm saying? And I wonder if why they didn't pursue that. Uh, I don't I don't know. I'm sure this I'm sure the uh, the, the po- local politics has something to do with it. Yeah, that could be true. Yeah. Um, you know, even the woman admitted that she lied about, you know, exactly what he had said and done. Uh, yeah, it was, it's a, it, it's a, it's a real, it's, you know, it's a really ugly, ugly, ugly thing. Um, which is why I found out a little, I, I understood them. So like when they throw us in there and they're, and they're talking about it, but the way they're talking about it is they make it him like one of D's best friends. Right. And that, that starts, so that confuses me. Because right. I'm thinking this is first. I'm thinking is a thing that happened in Chicago, not a thing that happened in Mississippi. Although I could have missed a, a line there. Um, number one, number two. I'm thinking, what? Who is this? Who is this character? Because they were referring to him by by as Bobo or by his nickname, not as Emmett. Or you know what, not Mike? as Emmett Till. All they had to do, Mike, was have the car- Emmett Till, the real life person character appear in like episode one and say hey d how you doing oh good emmett how you doing and then seven episodes later it would have set it up right it wouldn't just appeared out of nowhere well the problem is this is now end of august but i mean how much time has passed in this show it's been like a week right i mean maybe yeah yeah that's a fair point too it has not been a whole lot of time and that that is just creating a further issue for me right is that things are moving very quickly and in one sense and in another sense so like in in terms of history i think he was already down he would have been down in mississippi the whole time so i don't think it was necessary for them to even throw that in there um right. i i understand that because they in the argument i guess is that they want to make it uh meaningful to d unique and personal to d um the same way like they have mantras talk about you know how he had a friend who was killed you know when he was younger and you know and saying that it's a rite of passage in america and you know i'm I'm not sure how sure that is but be that as it may um it's um yeah it just so this is yet another episode where they they make a decision at the start of the show that completely throws me off and that right. has me wonder what the hell is going on. You know, the the haunted house episode was another where she's, you know, we, we left with um, with George dying. And then we walk, we cut, we, we then go to if let's say you were doing this on binge watch. George has died. I'm buying a house. What? <laughs> yeah. And I well, have I, no well, money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I brought that up immediately, right? Because I said I thought this was like two months later or, or even a, a, a flashback scene. When they went to that episode where she bought the house because right. it came out of nowhere. The, the last thing we saw was 
George is dead and everybody's depressed, and then suddenly they're buying a house. It's like, oh, this must be a flashback scene. Well, well, in that episode, I mean, they even said, because she even said, Tick, it's been a couple weeks since everything happened. So, I mean, a few weeks. Well, yeah, right. Oh, you're right, 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 right. Right, but they said that, like, like. Later in the episode. Yeah, 10 minutes into the episode. So the first 10 minutes, I'm thinking, is this flash forward? Is this a flashback? What that? What happened? And then ten minutes later, that's when you figure out. You find out. Oh, this is the next day, basically. Or, or three well, days and they later. move across the country so fast; it's hard to even keep time in reference at all. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, travel. I mean, driving from what was it? Driving from Chicago, Chicago to, to Boston. Boston. That that's not exactly, you know, a three-hour tour here. I mean, it, it's a. Oh. I mean, it's a couple days drive. Yeah, like Eric, Eric Webster when he drives from Michigan to. Connecticut, yeah. uh, he, he says that's like, you know, I don't know, uh, it's basically driving all day. So it's, it's it's literally one whole day that's gone right there. If, if And that's nonstop, you know, and he actually stops in Syracuse or or, or, or the town. What's the town? Not Syracuse. Rochester. Rochester. Yeah. And so he's, he says it's it's still a good distance. You might oh, want yeah. to skip that this year. Yeah, right. right. And Mike, you, you, I know Pam, your wife, she goes to from here. From where you live to Ohio or, or Michigan or, or Minnesota every so often, Michigan. And that's, yeah, and that's it, a hike. Yeah, and that's a that 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 you can do in a twelve-hour drive. Now you can do that in a twelve-hour drive today, uh, when you where you have a lot of roads with a seventy-mile-an-hour speed limit, with a modern car with good gas mileage. Um, yeah. You know, I have no idea what that trip would have been in nineteen fifty-five, where you didn't have maybe major highways everywhere. Um, you know, you would have had to do maybe more back roads where, you know, you're getting three miles to the gallon. You know, it's just, uh, you know, had to pull over so the car doesn't overheat. You know, there's all sorts of stuff like that. Sure, sure. Right. Um, but it's regardless, it's the it's the idea that apparently it's been a couple of days since Ruby disappeared. Not Ruby. Hippolyta, uh, yeah. disappeared. And so... First of all, we as an audience, and I think this is a mistake for me, I would have I would have moved all this stuff up or some of it into the end of last week's episode and saved her story for the eventual return that she's going to have. Um, because that would have kept us because we wouldn't because it wouldn't because then we would have spaced it out a little better. We would be wanting to know we would be suffering the mystery of what happened to Hippolyta, uh, uh, Hippolyta right now, along with the rest of the characters, when we know what happened to her and we know she's coming back. So there's no drama to that whatsoever. Um, in fact, we know she's coming back with magic powers, which which undercuts it even more. It's like we know we we know the Deus Ex Machina is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we never found out what happened to Tick. And there's stuff that happens in this episode, like in his conversation with George, so the one with the movement with the mechanical arm or the robot arm. Are we ever going to see this story? And, you know, they, they drop it as if we're supposed to know what it means and how did he get this book and all this other stuff. And it's and that's just why I'm like thinking, really, did I miss something? Did I miss something? Because it, it just seems so much that we're assumed to know. And now look, we all eventually figured it out. I assume, you know, and I guess they could argue, well, see, you figured it out. 
all right, yeah, but you know, I shouldn't be spending the first twenty minutes of the, the or ten minutes of the episode trying to figure out if I missed something because then I'm not appreciating what's actually there. I'm just sitting there going, feeling confused and a little bit lost, and that's not really a feeling I don't think you want your audience to have. Right. Well, and that's a fair point because, right, like you said, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they it has a cold opening basically of this mass. Not necessarily a funeral, but but uh, memor uh, memorial or, or memorial. That, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Memorial, um, and and of someone that we don't know. And then, like you said, they're using the nickname, and then it's only later that we find out it's Emmett Till, and that's fine, I guess. But it's it's like you said you 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 lost for at first you, you just know that someone was murdered or or died and everybody either loved the person or or something obviously it was more than that it was more of a like you said a, a civil rights scene more than 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 anything because obviously most people didn't know know who the individual was uh, Emmett Till um but everybody could relate to him and that's why it was so huge but you know, we're like you said, we're lost for 10, 10, 15 minutes trying to figure out what's going on in a sense. And, and and maybe black audiences are a little more savvy with this, knowing the history, and they caught on exactly where they were going with it. I'm certainly open to that. Um, yeah. And and I imagine if, and this week I did not have a chance to rewatch this because um, we're, we're doing this episode on a Monday where we had been doing this on Tuesdays. And um so I'm curious now that I know what's going on. I, I know how would that first ten minutes say play on the second time through? I, I don't know, um, but yeah, it just I can. But I can only speak for how this played for myself. And if that was it, right? And and I do you know if that was it, then then that's okay. That's that's one thing. But it's the stuff like referencing things that happened to Tick that we don't get to see and stuff that sounds like it's important. You know, a woman with a robot arm handing thrusting this book into his hand. Uh, that seems right. like a thing we should have seen. Shouldn't we have seen that? Right. Maybe we should have seen that before we saw Hippolyta dancing with, with, with Josephine Baker. That that has absolutely no relevance to this episode. Right. Um, you know, I like the fact that they use, uh, that he knows that, uh, even though I'm not a fan of the story, I kind of like the way they're doing it. The, that he knows Letty's pregnant because of this, um, as as we all do. Uh, right, right, yeah. Uh, after last week's episode, yeah, yeah. It, it, with the the pregnancy scene, like it, not not this right. show specifically, but we we always discuss on uh, the Dark Discussions podcast that we do, um, which is anytime a woman throws up in a movie, it's usually because she's pregnant. And, right and 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 again, it's it's a stereotype, and and most women who are pregnant don't have those issues, as my understanding, based off of uh, talking to nurses and doctors. But also, um, it's a good tool for for an audience because it's not like in a, in a book where she could just say in her mind, "I'm pregnant." So they have to show it somehow, and and they show it this way unfortunately it's it's obviously overused and it's it's no disrespect to this show because it's it's most hollywood or even indie films use this cliche um all right so yeah i i i guess the yeah the 
the obviously there 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 was other things in the in the episode that are related to the the death of Emmett Till. I mean, they say that the disproportionate um, of of black folk's deaths um, compared to the general population is a line in, in the in the episode about that. Obviously, the police brutality and and this was all filmed prior to uh, the issues that are occurring now in the United States. Uh, so obviously, police brutality. At least in in uh, some form, and, and in some uh, districts, is real. Um, and so they they were talking about a lot of that. Of course, a lot of this also misses out the fact th- that that a lot of the the disproportionate deaths is because of black on black crime. Again, well, though, you're talking about that. It, well, you're talking about that how, now. I don't know what that was. That's what, was what it was to, in the that's, 1950s. That's, that's, that's exactly what it, you, you beat me. I was going to say I don't because that's how it is now. However, I, I don't know, you know, in the 1950s if that was the case or not. So yeah, you, you were saying exactly what I was going to say, Mike. Um, uh, but I go. but I will say in terms of the outrage the characters are feeling in this episode, um, because people forget, like you know, um, some people are now criticizing some of the the law enforcement. Uh, bills that were passed in the 80s to deal with crime in the inner cities a lot of black communities well, were actually, demanding it, those things it was it right? was during the 90s wasn't it was during the clinton administration uh well some of it was 80s some of it 90s because that's it was the yeah because it was really started tailoring uh, tailing off the crime wave in the early to mid 90s is when the crime wave just started to dissipate um sure. but that was but there were it was black community leaders because their people their community members were the ones being killed, regardless of whether they were being killed by white people or black people, they were being killed. And the truth is, even today, for whatever the reason, right, if you are a young black male in the United States, your odds of dying a violent death are disproportionately much, much higher than if you are a young white male. Right. Much, much higher. And and male, much more so than female. But, you know, it's just... um, so you can understand where there's that outrage. And then certainly in the 1950s, I think even today, you could argue there is not a lot of, uh, you could understand where they maybe feel there isn't a lot of concern. Um, we have certainly heard about it when you talk about uh, like the Amber Alerts and, you know, how the whole country stopped on a dime because of, you know, somebody like John Benet Ramsey, when a little cute little blonde girl dies or disappears. Um, or or, or and, the Stacey Peterson murder. You know, and, and then there's a, a black woman that dies the same day and, and it's not picked up. by the And place. nobody cares. Right. So you can understand. And this is, again, where this whole idea of Black Lives Matter comes from. It's it's a cry of feeling like their lives aren't being given the same due and the same same attention. Um, it was never a our Black Lives Matter only. White lives don't matter. It just meant, hey, our lives matter, too. But it, that's not nearly as catchy a, a, a slogan. Um, so that's at least where the slogan came in, you know, leave the rest of the, the politics behind that aside for now. Um, so you can understand and this is a perfectly valid avenue for them to explore in a series that is about the black experience in America as viewed through the lens of a horror film or a horror series. Great, great thing to use to look at that. You know, what, though, I just like, don't think I, it was done well. I th- right, right. I think the issue with the with the show is they're taking too much to point the black experience, or I should say, the negative black experience uh, in America. When such movies like uh, that, you know, or 
like a, based off of John Grisham's books or, or whatever, that just focuses on one case and one uh, example, and it's a two-hour movie, and it's done really well. Here, they're like basically the, the kitchen sink. And I think that causes a problem because they're pointing out, okay, let's use Emma Till, let's use uh, Josephine Baker, let's use, you know, on all this stuff. And they just put it all together and it's just like too much for the eight hours that they have to do it. You know, well, and not only that, they're trying to get all the different horror and fantasy and sci fi elements all in there too. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. And, and, and Oh, oh my God. Uh, so, and getting in uh, uh, gender discrimination and sexual discrimination. Yeah. I mean, right. Or, or you know. Uh, uh, sexual they, orientation. Sexual orientation sure. discrimination. So all, again, thrown in there. I don't mind. There and is, then they have there, the Koreans, too, which had nothing to do with any of the other oh, and the, and the Right. Yeah. Throwing in imperialism. Yeah. This whole thing. Um, look, there is a we we have a very very rich history of racism in this country, and it's in, in a variety of forms. So I don't necessarily mind, you know, that they're hitting a different theme every episode. If this was intended to be an ongoing 100 episode series, you know, like like the X Files, yeah, you're you're it's going to start getting thin. But for a 10 episode, maybe limited series. Okay, examining a different facet of the negative black experience in America through the lens of a horror series, I, I, I think that could be that's interesting. If it's well done, when it's well done, great. You know, like they did the, uh, you know, just like Twilight Zone, you can do an episode about, you know, bigotry in one episode and and yeah, hate like, the, in like the Ruby, the Ruby episode was really good for for right. what they're trying to get to the point of, right. Um, it's just, I, I think they're trying to cram a lot in this episode, and they're not doing any of it um, especially well. Um, you know, right. the, even even the D story, it was mostly her running away, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. so it wasn't even so. Like last episode, like the last three episodes, especially two episodes ago with the Korean story, you can clearly say he uh, the the main characters are in the sidelines and. This character, it's about them. Here, D doesn't have a lot of a story for her, um, and she's not so dominant that you can really say this is her episode. The way last episode was clearly Hippolyta's episode, and, the, and, and three episodes was go was clearly Ruby's episode. Here, she has a very strong thread in it, compared you know, in terms of time. But you know, most of it is her just running away. She has some really good moments. You know, when she tells the cop to go fuck off, uh, you know, which, again, I'm not really sure how that really would have played out in real life. Um, but they were also trying to use her to get something. So I guess that that's a thing. But. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, no I mean, all, all your, your points are valid. And, and, and again, we're critiquing and reviewing. And again, uh, as stated in prior episodes, it's just personal opinions of each individual viewer, meaning each individual co-host. And again, your viewing experience, you, the listener, may be completely different. Uh, you may actually be uh, thinking it's very strong. Uh, I know a lot of folks, you know, think thinks it's a strong show. So again, each each person, it's different. And I, and I mentioned last week, uh, The Godfather. That film uh, has ninety seven percent 
good reviews on Rotten Tomato, that means 3% of people didn't like it. So that doesn't necessarily mean um, the movie is is flawed because 3% didn't like it. It just means that people have different opinions. So uh, there should be no offense uh, by any listeners because, again, this is just a TV show and means nothing in the big picture of the real world. It's just entertainment. Um, and we're critiquing it. Uh, when critics and movie viewers take themselves too seriously, that's where the problems begin. Um, all right, so where else do we want to get to uh, or discuss? Uh, we, this was really what we've discussed so far was, was the opening and general uh, uh, general topical of the whole episode, not not specifics. But uh, there could be more general topical stuff to discuss. Never mind specifics. Uh, Kevin, what, what do you got? What, you want to? Pick something out you want to talk more general, or is there a specific scene you wanted to talk about? What What do you got? Oh, okay. Um, well, one of the scenes that uh, that that made me uh, chuckle a little bit is when Tick, because as you know, I, I'm I'm the only one here that actually read the book. Uh, Tick has the book um, Lovecraft Country, uh, but written though by his son, and. Uh, he said, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing, except, you know, D's a boy and uh, Christina is somebody named Horace. He, he lists some of the, you know, he lists some of the differences. George survives. Yeah, George survives. And he says, but for the most part, it's. Oh, uh, Montrose isn't, isn't a gay, gay man, right? There, but he doesn't. Well, he you'll doesn't see the flashbacks. Of he doesn't career. talk about that. <laughs> he doesn't talk yeah. about that. You know, and that's just, that's kind of one of the things that, first of all, I had to chuckle at it just because, you know, that he did start, he did mention a couple of the differences, but it's like, he says, other than that, that's about it. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. Who said George, this now, Kevin? Tick. Tick says that. Tick says that. And so I'm like, all right, well, aside from the fact that, you know, Montrose oh, yeah. is not a jerk and, uh, you know, and we never hear about him being, you know, a homosexual or anything like that. That's kind of a that's kind of a big thing. And um, I mean, they had a couple other I mean, there's it, I had to admit that that kind of made me chuckle a little bit. But then the other part where um, where Tick goes and does the circle and. You know, Montrose reads everything, and when he finally finishes, he crosses himself and says, "Hey, man!" And Tick looks at him and says, "Seriously?" He goes, "Hey, it can't hurt." <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I have to. Admit, I mean, I've that 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 guy. Be, I, I Montrose has his moments. Let's just say that, and that was one of his moments. Um, but uh, um, I don't. I other than that, though, it's. I I will admit that the. It was an it, it. I was kind of scratching my head because, first of all, you know we have the Korean woman back. Um, you know she makes an appearance, and I'm not sure why. You know because yeah. I mean, Tick has called her twice, and she called both times. She pretty much said you shouldn't have left. She comes back all of a sudden, and then so obviously she told. Uh, Leticia what he did in Korea you know and so she is not happy about it and she says you know why didn't you why didn't you tell me why did I have to hear it from her and I'm thinking to myself yeah that's something I really want to say is that I shot people who are who are on their knees you know unarmed on their knees nurses who are unarmed and on their knees just wantonly 
And then, oh, yeah, I tortured somebody. You know, it's not really something you really want to share with some someone. And but then, you know, almost seems like, you know, Letty is getting him is essentially packing his duffel bag, you know, pretty much trying to get him to leave. And then Tick grabs it, packs it himself and leaves. And then all of a sudden she says she acts like she wants him to stay. It's like, wait a minute, one minute you don't want him to. Maybe I misunderstood this, but one minute you don't want him to. You, one minute you want him to leave, and the next minute you don't want him to leave. I, I thought that was um, it, it, that just didn't make sense to me. But um, I don't know. Like I said, maybe maybe I missed something. But uh, there's something else too. There were a couple other odd things, but um, uh, like I think I mentioned earlier that the, the the two girls from the that came out of the book. Um, Uncle Tom's cabin. They they were creepy. They were pretty creepy. Um, but uh, yeah, I also the whole okay. Let's just say it, the sex scene, and all of a sudden during the middle of well a climax essentially, all the skin falls off and she transforms back into Ruby. All the all the while all that's happening, I'm thinking to myself. Okay, there's something you don't see every day. I hope. Um, so that was pretty gruesome. Yeah, that was that was bizarre. I, I would say it was even before the climax. It was while the, the they were actually having intercourse, and, and it's just it was just very odd scene. I, I, I don't know why it was and there. He's, he's ripping that, off her back. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was just kind of really bizarre I, I don't i don't understand what that was all about um except because maybe the writer thought it was cool or something i, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> well i think it's a character moment for for ruby and you know they the people talk about like funeral sex and um you know not sex at a funeral but like you know afterwards and sometimes in when you were in a when you're in a dark place or depressing you'll do you know do things like that just sort of to feel alive and I think that's kind of where, you know, she, she very much talks about that, you know, is that, you know, and the reason she drank the potion, she was at a point where she just didn't want to be a, a black woman at that moment. And, um, you know, she's trying to, you know, sort of make her own place and it's all that there. Um, so I think it's just a character moment for Ruby, but it also is there to sort of give a catalyst to uh, the relationship with, uh, uh, with Christina where which is going to prompt her to 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 eventually take the action she does later in the episode to sort of try to f- have some empathy for what uh for what Ruby and the the black community is going through right to 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 feel the experience of what Emmett Till had gone through um and I think that's and I think that's interesting because it's showing some growth on the part of the character that I've assumed up till now is is going to be you know the eventual villain of the ep- of the series Right. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you about the the Korean woman. It, it felt, and there was another good example. She's two episodes we meet her. Now she's here, and then she's gone. But while she's here, right. she she introduces some really important things. Like she reveals that she's a nine tailed fox demon. Oh wait a minute, no, we already knew that. Uh. She creates tension between uh, Letty and Tick, which disappears after about 
two minutes. So so that didn't do any good. Um, she 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 doesn't hang around. You know that not, nothing that she did had any impact on anything that happened in this episode, which makes me wonder why the hell was she in this episode? Right, right. Well, in 1950, travel from Korea to the United States by regular citizens was probably very limited. It's not like nowadays, you know, I mean, my neighbor, she's Korean uh, from South Korea, and uh, she, before COVID, you know, went back to Korea, you know, once once a year or whatever, just to visit family and whatnot with her her son. Um, and, And, you know, that's pretty easy nowadays but i don't know how it was back then um and and prior to korea being a wealthy nation this was you know post korea still a dictatorship uh even south korea not very wealthy at the time because they weren't industrialized yet and so i don't know these are just little nitpicks that type of stuff but um the scene itself yeah she appears from across the other side of the world to save three minutes of dialogue that most of we already knew the only thing she did was basically say that, that well, actually everything we knew, it was really there to just say, tick, I saw you dive. That's it. In other words, she was telling tick something we already knew, I guess. Right. And this is not the age of, this is not the age of, this is not the 1970s or the 1980s where if you missed last week's episode, you might have missed important plot information, and it's really important to make sure the audience is caught up to speed. We're living in the streaming era. There is nobody who has watched this episode who did not have every opportunity in the world to watch, to watch that to watch episode. Yeah. So, so that's not even so. So, while I could have excused that in an old episode of, let's say, like Deep Space Nine or Babylon Five or something from the nineties. I, I I don't see the purpose. This was a complete... And we didn't even get... right. If I, am I remembering correctly? In the Korean episode, um, it, that she that she didn't end with, oh, I've got to go to America. You know? It, it, just, right. it, it ended just with that weird scene with the, mm-hmm. with the fox and the... So right. if, if they had told us to expect it, you know, to expect her to come to America, then this also would not have been quite so big a shock. Um, right. But but she just has it had zero place at all in this in this episode. None. Actually, 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 to be honest, in this series, never mind this episode. I mean, unless something really a change where there's a big side story of her coming to America and we're seeing all that. Yeah, it it wasn't necessary, which kind of eliminates the entire Korean episode. And anyway, so it's it's like. I don't know. It's yeah. It's, it's it's a thing that played into three episodes, right? That yeah. was episode one where he talked well, to her. Episode one, episode two, where he sees the vision of her, and then episode uh, five. Right. Yeah. Where, is it, where there's the second phone call. So on the yeah. first, so three out of the first five episodes, it's referenced, which makes me think well, it's going to be a game changer of a of a storyline. Um, yeah. And and it, it it has it. There's still two episodes left. Right. Well, <laughs> even even episode two, I, I don't even know if 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 that was her. Was it? I mean, the actress. I I, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. Uh, I know it was a woman that was dressed as a North Korean military woman, which has nothing to do with. Well, it was a. Jamie it was Jones a. Uh, right. It was a. It, it was something having to do with the Korean storyline, right? So that's well, all. We, 
Gotcha. You know, and that all yeah. ties together. Yeah, right. That's a fair point. All right. If, if you go with the Korean storyline, I thought you were just talking about her as a character specifically. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, now that there's only two episodes left, it's like, what are they going to do with that storyline? Or has it played out now? And then it was like not well thought out, I, I don't think. I think I think the only reason for that storyline was to show American imperialism and, and war crimes, and that's it. Because they're trying to fit in everything. No, I because, think they're trying to show Tick's background, and that's the only reason for that episode. Maybe, but but the I don't point, think their purpose was the American war crimes. That was just an after effect of of his background. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just thinking how Kevin, you mentioned that in the book. They don't even have the flashback scenes. They ju- you just know that he's a veteran. So it's like, uh, I don't know. But, but again, this is an adaptation. So they may have a different thing they're going for. So Right. And it also, what I do like, because um, I laughed, because uh, um, I knew Kevin and uh, I would I would have thought Phil would have at least appreciated the acknowledging of the differences, um, is that the stuff that they do change, right, if you've, exist in this fictional reality, it makes perfect sense that they would have left out the, the stuff about the war crimes and the, uh, the, and grandpa being, being a homosexual. It makes perfect sense that they would have left that stuff out. Right. If it was the other way around, it was in the book. We have to streamline for eight hours. That's the stuff you would cut out, not add. Right. So I feel like the writers heard a lot of complaints about how things were changed from the book and we're trying to throw in a good reason for it to be changed and just made yeah, it but a this, plot line. It's just, yeah, horrible. but the way well, HBO makes stuff, well, this is already done. Yeah. I mean, I thought all this was done. You know, yeah. it's, all, it's all done at once. Yeah. No, Kevin, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's done pre, I, I see what you're saying. It makes sense. It just but, feels that way, whether or not yeah. it was made a while ago. That's the way it, it feels sloppy. Right. But I, I like Mike's point, which is usually a book is, you know, 500 pages or whatever. And I think this book is listed at around 400 and something pages on Amazon. That's too much for eight hours. So they have to streamline and cut out stuff, merge characters and whatever. And instead of doing that, they change, they add storylines that had that aren't even in the book. And it makes it more convoluted maybe or or less focused when you would think if they had cut certain things out of the book and just focused on important stuff then it would have been a better book you know for example godfather i read that book speaking since we've been talking about godfather um before tom hagen becomes the lawyer of the family this adopted stepson um or adopted son, I should say, um, they have another lawyer who's an Italian guy right from Sicily who passes away and dies. And, and that's the funeral that we see in The Godfather, the movie. But there's a whole part where we meet him and all this. And then they also merge uh, two characters, Johnny Fontaine and his friend, who isn't as successful, and they merge him as just one character. And they even cut out Johnny Fontaine's story to just you know be that 10 minutes at the beginning with the horse head. Well, so, you know, they're cutting out a lot of stuff because you just only have two hours and then a Godfather's two and a half hours to make a film. And here, okay, you have eight hours, but 
again, you still have to cut stuff out to, to get it to work. You usually don't add things up that, that weren't in the book just to, right. you know, so that's, that's confusing. It just felt like a lame contrivance. <laughs> yeah. This book is different from what we're doing here. <laughs> it's just part yeah. of the plot. It's just, I don't know. It, it didn't hit me right. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> right, right. Oh, and I forget that. Sorry, the spoilers for Godfather, but it's a 50 year old movie. So if you haven't seen it, go burn in hell. Um, okay. Right. Um, what about you, Barrett? What, what do you got? Uh, Kevin brought some stuff, good points up uh, to discuss. What about you? What do you got? Uh, good points. Do they have to be good points? Well, any point. Any point. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed the end. I enjoyed the, the monster, um, the Shugga. I think it was a Shugoth, right? That came out, and uh, I enjoyed yeah. the, the I mean, cops getting to be, blasted. <laughs> to, to be fair, the Shoggoths that are in Lovecraft stories don't really look like that. They're they're not like dog type creatures. They're like more right circular blobs. But but either way, that's you know fair enough. I mean you know Frankenstein's monsters are different in all the movies and stuff. So. I but love yeah, that they were scene. Cool. I liked that yeah. he was all of a sudden protected by it, and the spell they had cast actually worked. They didn't realize it. Um, I yeah, thought yeah, that was kind of neat. Work. It's also interesting because during the whole shootout thing, not the shootout, the the, the shooting, <clears throat> Letty just kind of sits there, and you can see, like, just she almost sits up, and you can see bullets going past her because remember she got the mark of Cain, right? Well, and she's going to go try and save him, too, right? Because she has the mark of Cain, and she's too late. Right. And that's when he gets protected by his the spell they cast. And that right. I'd rather be protected by that thing than her mark of Cain. Because <laughs> right. that monster's right. awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that... I wonder well, if there was I news did, reporters there to take pictures of it. I did not see that coming... And I, I did not see that coming. So when it actually happened, I was actually I was like, "Oh, hey, this yeah, is me a neither." Surprise! I was happy to see that. Yeah, and I guess you know, if if I'm trying to come up with some other good things, I mean, I did like the creepiness of the two um, spirits following around behind uh, D. Yeah. But like I said in my opening, that it just felt a little like us to me, the way those characters were created. You know, kind of this yeah. weirdness. Um, yeah. That's the only thing that bothered me about that. But I did like those scenes. I thought they were good horror scenes. If I hadn't seen it similarly recently. Um, sure, sure. And I, I generally I mean, like... It doesn't have to be horror. positive. Just anything. Anything you, you want to talk about. It doesn't have to be... Yeah, I generally liked thing. her story. I thought it would have been interesting. But however, we're three episodes from the end and we're... <laughs> A lot of this episode was the beginning was about, you know, Emmett Till and that showed the effect on D and then we get a large portion of this. That's about her, about D and then we get a mishmash of the other characters and it just feels all jumbled together and made into an episode with all their agendas in there too. And it's this big mixing pot that I get to the end and I love the last three minutes, but I feel like the whole thing could have been really well done if they weren't doing this huge jumble. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Well, and that was the weird thing is, is that, yeah, the th last three minutes was, was awesome. Um, 
uh, you know, it, I've always laughed because, you know, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, it's like, okay, we're seeing mass <laughs> stuff, and, and that's awesome. Yeah, but again, got ripped that, off. That's, that's what, right, right. It was awesome. Heads and stuff. The guy I just love when they're running the into the guy. house, and you see the body, like, flying through the yeah. air. Through yeah, the air. yeah, that was awesome. Awesome yeah, so I mean, all that stuff was great. I mean, that's what that's what we we came. Let me rephrase. That's why I came to Lovecraft Country for. Yep. Not well, not really, not really. I, I came because I wanted the creepiness stuff that you know his stories have. But if I'm going to see a horror film, that, that that works well, even if it's not necessarily in a Lovecraft story. That, I mean, it's still awesome. Um, unfortunately, they they they've had the monsters shown twice in eight episodes now and both times it's been like for two minutes maybe well maybe three minutes three episodes because i think they were in episode two as well so right. one two in this episode so and each time it was like maybe two to three minutes at most and so it's like we have eight hours so far and we've had nine minutes of monsters you well, know i mean, I mean okay, we had okay we had a, we had a, it's we had a nine-tailed fox demon for a whole episode. Yeah, that's true. That, that's that's still my favorite, one of my favorite episodes. I just love that episode, um, it, but it has not, not as much to do with the story. <laughs> right, and you had the ghosts in the second episode, right. and you had the uh, the hermaphroditic in, Indian and you know zombie India at the very end of an episode, and uh, yeah, then you didn't get anything really in the in the in the the, the shape changing episode. You get magic stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's like magical right. Stuff. So yeah, there, there, cool. there's about two. Like there's a, yeah, there, there's a lot of magical stuff and other things. Yeah, I get it. I think I did like the fact that there was a black uh, Shoggoth instead of a white Shoggoth, like in the first two episodes. Um, but like, did I miss something? Yeah, because okay. this is see, this is this is that whole telling the important audience information. Um, we know Letty gets the spell cast on her to make her invulnerable. And we and we know Tick has a spell cast on it, but did we get what the spell was supposed to do? No, they didn't explain that, so that's why I, I was really. completely surprised. About <laughs> that's why it was kind of surprised. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, and I so thought this is it a was the spell for protection because that's what he was asking Christina earlier. I want a spell of protection. Right, that's a good protection. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. and so and so this is a Deus Ex, literal Deus Ex Machina, just kind of you know the the. The, the the rescue exactly. at the last minute of the 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 dog yeah. demon now being a good thing, um, and and protecting Tick and being his loyal little hound, I guess. I I, I don't. So, I mean, I get why it's it familiar. happened, but it was just like it was a weird thing that they could have set it up better. That was going to come out kind yeah. of that way. I did, and I did find the whole scene leading up to that almost too over the top and of course this scene itself was yeah. over the top in its own way where not yeah. that like where there's like dozens of cops standing outside the house and dozens of cops just randomly shooting in this suburban neighborhood um yeah it, it felt like it was more over the top than the needed i don't know how that was getting them what they wanted either not um, only that, but I mean, I mean if, they, if this like was when the, they opened up okay. the door, I'd be mean, actually the the one interesting thing is you know like the, the you know Lancaster was trying to get into the house and he couldn't you know because of that that cursor that not nothing that that spell of protection that that uh, um, fortune teller woman put in okay. there at you know, the haunted house one you know and so he was kind of surprised and she was a little surprised but then. 
what what I'm kind of wondering is you didn't see the small army of police officers in the street from the doorway. Um, I'm yeah. sorry, but I mean that's just something I would have noticed if if somebody if somebody came well, to my door and I opened it up and I you know and I saw you know a police officer that one that comes in the next thing I see. The yeah, next thing is like all of a sudden all these cops are just shooting out well, you know come out of nowhere and well, start shooting well, like well, well let's let's talk about that it all right if this was a Scorsese or a Spielberg or uh, a well uh, received Academy nominated type of director screenwriter th- those things would not be there but if this was you know. Uh, uh, Italian B movie, 1978, um, rip off of Hollywood, it would be there. And if we look at the show, or at least this episode as B movie madness, rather than high quality, uh, direction and screenwriting, then maybe it doesn't matter. But if we're looking at it as, you know, is this, we take, you know, we should take this seriously, whatever then you're right. It's ridiculously stupid because obviously with all the cops out there for at least a good 15 minutes, if not more, the whole neighborhood would be coming out to watch to see what's going on. Never mind. Uh, eventually calling people on the phone and more people, maybe even newscasters or whatever coming over and then the shootout and then a monster. Every, this would, this would be, ridiculous if this was in a Scorsese or a Spielberg or something like that, you know, unless it was kind of supposed to be B movie madness, like say Goonies was by, uh, you know, the production company by, by, um, uh, Spielberg. But if we just look at it as B movie madness, the, the next, you know, drive in theater, double feature movie, then I guess it doesn't matter. So the question is, are they trying to be, serious that we should take this seriously or is this just b-movie crap and 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 when i say crap i mean intentional to just be b-movie nonsense actually i i actually i thought it was intentional yeah yeah i think yeah that was my opinion at least i think this is very much um look this is a show by black creators primarily written for a black audience and um, and that's fine. Part of this story is I, I, I sort of I, again, I, I, um, I think a bit of a cathartic experience and a sort of like you had with uh, with Letty last episode, you know, sort of um, a, a bit of a wish fulfillment episode, a, a series of let's have, you know, let's let's have some sort of just what a wonderful thing to have, like, uh, like Tarantino and Hitler in, um, in glorious bastards, right? Uh This is there. This is that, this is from that point of view that let's just have a monster rip through the racist cops. Right. And let's get that off our chest. Let's live through that same way that Letty got to, you know, hack and slash her way through the, the soldiers in the last episode and kill all the white people and get it out of her system here. This is a, I just want to see a bunch of racist white folk getting slaughtered by monsters for that reason. Cause they're, cause they're tired. And I, again, I understand, I can understand from that mindset. I don't want to be scared for 
I, I, for the for the black audience in this, we've had enough of that shit. We've had enough death and 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 uh, in our community. So we're trying to squeeze it into something more positive. Which of course, there is an irony there, being a Lovecraft story, because we all know the sunny endings that Lovecraft stories tend to have. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, they 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 do not want while an, while an appropriate Lovecraft story, and obviously we don't know where this is going to go, or I don't. Kevin may know. Um, appropriate Lovecraft story would probably end with Letty dead and Tick in an insane asylum somewhere, or vice versa. You know, um, right? And monsters lurking under our streets, ready to devour the next person that's there. I don't think this is the way this is going. This is again, this is a. Um, this is a working through, and it's also a a, a reward system, sort of, um, a wish fulfillment right. series, into it to a degree. And and again, I don't. That is what it's doing. That's what it's intending to do. And you know, and I'm fine with that. Um, and and it is. I mean, look, if you can't enjoy a bunch of racist assholes getting murdered by a giant dog demon, you're really not living right. Um, <laughs> you know, it really. It, you know, so. Um, Right, right. Now, it's like it's like uh, the the Nazis in 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 Glorious Bastards, like you said. You know, if if you're not cheering for the the Nazis dying, I mean, obviously some of it was over the top, even in that. Um, you're not living right, but go on, Mike. I'm sorry. Or or, or the Manson family, the Manson yeah, family, much fun time in Hollywood, and, or the slavers in Django Unchained, right? So it's all that sort of. Yep. I this this is. I, I wish we could do this, and you know you can't. It's sort of um, the whole. It's sort of the reason why the sometimes I want to play a video game after a frustrating day is I just want to fucking murder people. You know. It's well, just, let's let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. You, you could say that Tarantino, even though he's given homage to B movie madness, grindhouse cult films, a midnight movie, drive-in films, or whatever. Those films uh, will always be remembered and are classics because Quentin Tarantino, as a screenwriter and as a director, not only is loved by his co-Hollywood folk, because they've given him a number of Academy Awards here, but his films are also critically loved and they are actually classic films. I mean, in their modern classics, they're going to be remembered like Godfather, a handful of them. This here unfortunately wish fulfillment or whatever is, is, is not good. So that, the problem is, is that it is. Well, madness. you don't like it. I'll, I mean, and elements of it are not good. Yeah, There's right. elements that are not good. All right. Well, it's, let me rephrase, let me rephrase. It's, it's not going to be a classic remembered show. Probably. Like oh, I, I'll disagree with that. Tarantino. Really? Okay. Because right, of, because of the way, because of, because it's, because it's hitting the pulse for certain people, for a certain demographic, yeah. a certain group of people, um, and there are people who are really yeah. digging the show, and I'm fine with that. And, and there are going to be people, and yeah. I can very easily okay. see people discovering this, you know, a few years down the road. I can certainly see this being, you know, having some legs to it and being remembered fondly. I do think there are structural problems with it. I do think that when it's a brand new thing that you're that you're watching and wrapping every week, if those story elements are not ones that personally hit your, uh, you know, hit your touchstones, right, then the yeah. problem with it... Well are going to be more annoying. But if these are things that you're, you're happy to see them touch on, then I don't think those issues are going to be as big a problem. 
I, I agree with all that stuff, but but I, I honestly don't believe I, I'm more with Barrett that I think that the show won't be remembered any more than and I'm going out of limb. Average. I've never met Barrett, but I don't think either one of you are really the target audience here, or me or Kevin either. Just just yeah, say. Well, I don't think I said right, it wouldn't right, be remembered. Right, right. I don't I don't think I said that. I, I definitely don't think I'm necessarily well, I'm, the target I'm, audience. I, I, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I'll just speak for myself, which is when uh, we and if people go back, they'll, they'll hear what you said. You kind of agreed with me when I said it, like, you know, certain shows will be remembered, you know, in 20 years from now, 30 years from now, they'll be still remembered fondly. X-Files is an example of that um, and whatnot. I, I don't. I said this show probably won't be remembered. And you kind of agreed with me, Barrett, but I won't speak for you uh, now. Maybe you've changed your opinion. But the point is, is that I. I can see people liking it and people ha- liking it for the various plot elements and, and or you know buttons pushed. They enjoy it, but I, I don't. I don't think there's going to be a serious group of folk in 20 years from now to say, "Oh my God, this, oh, is, I, this is a classic." I disagree. I think there's going to be people who do, and part of it is also going to be just again that here's you're seeing things like. Um, and reading reviews and listening to... No one's going to be talking seeing... about Mindhunter. Right. Mindhunter saying... and Hannibal are better shows than this, and they're not going to be remembered either. Well, Except but I also think... How many, people did were, people. Were, how many people were going to expect anyone to talk about Star Trek 30 years after that went off the air? Let alone how many people were going to think that people would be talking 50 years after it went over the, off the air, how the lady with the thing in her ear was, ear was, a, was an inspiration to people, Right. Um, probably what, what, not a lot. What are you talking about? What? What was that? What, what show was that? What show the was Star that? Star Trek. The thing in the air. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, right. right. I, you're, you're absolutely right. Dude. All right. And, but, fair enough. But, and, like, and those are you exceptions. See, you're, you're, I just named two shows that are better that won't be remembered. No, what I'm saying, so what? Is, so what's making the show unique is that it is, it is for, it is speaking to some things and speaking about things that are not specifically talked about now on television or in films it is putting a lot of black characters in roles you don't normally see them in it's showing relationships between these characters you don't normally see them in and that is a thing that will be if you're in that community that i believe there will be people who say oh i remember that and i remember you know uh you know seeing like you know d is here's this little oh, nerdy I'm not black girl saying it's going to be got it I but I'm saying it, it can. That way. I didn't mean. But that I mean, way. it will have. I think it is going to have because it is a, appealing to a um, and doing something different, and has a very specific. And it's tailored to have a very specific appeal, and is very much tailored from the from what I've uh, gathered from listening to the showrunner, to do things that black audiences haven't had, right? And that they want to see. Agree with you that, but. I, I don't think it will be remembered. So, so I guess we'll agree to disagree, uh, but I will agree that it's doing things that may um, feel interesting to a community of people because they don't see it normally on TV. Like you said, relationships and, with black characters are all the leads, and, and basically except for Abby Lee. Um, and so that's fair. But um, I'll disagree on whether or not it will be remembered. I think it's and technical again, issues are going to make it hard for this to be like to break outside of the audience they're trying to hit. 
And I don't know that, but that's fine. What? How big of an audience do you need anymore? I don't know, and that's the question: right. Is HBO going to renew it for another season? Right. I mean, it's hard I, I don't for me to say because, yeah, it's hard for me to say. If but, I were them, I wouldn't because I just see so many bad things about how it's written. I don't care what aspect it's written for or whatever. There's just poor storytelling in here. Well, and I agree. And I, and my my yeah. point about this is: look, there are things that I enjoy. That I can look at, I can recognize there's all sorts of shit that's wrong with it. But man, it just, it just, it just is aimed right at me. It's giving me what I want and I can ignore the rest of that crap. I understand how someone coming from a different point of view can look at and go, well, yeah, I, that I can understand liking that, but this is all shit. How can this, that doesn't make up for this. It all depends on how much you like what they're giving you and how much you dislike the stuff that's wrong. Right. And for, for, and I imagine, especially for members of the black community, they're going to and they're and it's getting a response. From what I can see, is getting a response. You know, it is an outlet for frustration. It's an outlet for seeing things that they haven't seen, and it's giving them a thing that they haven't had. And that is a, you know, what is it about a fifteen percent chunk of the United States, which mm-hmm. is yeah, is, but again, it's, it's, which is not which is which is a nice audience quality. to have. I don't see this in the same quality uh, of other, I guess, black uh, themed or uh, shows or, or movies. So, you know, like Black Panther or Get Out or, or something of that. OK, nature. those are movies. Where's the where those are movies. Where's the TV series? Roots. Good. So you had to go back to my childhood. I know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you have Roots. You have I mean, if you want comedy, you have the Jeffersons. Uh, but the thing yeah, is, again, right. we're going back to your our childhood because, yeah, I remember, and it's funny actually. I mean, I was even think for some reason I was even thinking about the Jeffersons the other day. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the show or not, but maybe maybe it's because well, they had of the that show. You're moving on up montage. Yeah, yeah that's right. True. Was maybe that's that. why I was thinking about it because, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, you have. I'm sorry, you have the Cosby Show. Um, that's still kind of childhood, but I mean, and I know it's Bill Cosby, but before Bill Cosby, we all found out the truth about him. He had, he had, he had pretty much no, anything no, but, he was good. Right, and those are far, sitcoms. This is, this is genre right, TV. We, we, this is oh, not we, 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 we got to definitely move on, but, but I, I see what you're saying, Mike, and I see what you're saying, Kevin, and there, there's a lot of stuff out there, I, I, but we can all still agree to disagree that. I'm I'm kind of leaning with Barrett about the, the screenwriting, the technical aspects, and things of that nature that make this a forgettable show in the long run. And in my example of of Mindhunter and uh, Hannibal and various other shows that are going to be remembered that are better, maybe they don't have the the plot the plot elements that would make this show more appealing to an entire uh, uh, demographic. But I, I think the, the issues with the writing and stuff that Barrett mentioned will, will keep it from being remembered. But, but I, I see we, are, we all disagree. I think that a good show, a show that's remembered, let me phrase that, like a show that tends to be remembered or things that tend to be remembered are not stuff that hooks you on the technical craft. It's not stuff that hit, hits you in the head. It's stuff that hit you in the heart. It's stuff that hits you in the gut. And I have for, a good example of that. Yeah. Um, Space Above and Beyond. And I only use this example because I remember loving it back in the 90s. 
And then I recently watched it and I was like, why did I like this show? <laughs> and there were scenes where I could go, yeah, this this hit me. But it was technically not the greatest written show for me. Right, right. Let's say Doctor Who from the 70s, um, Charlie's Angels, The Hulk, Wonder Woman. You know, everybody loves those shows and they're beloved. And they're and, remembered. And they're not and they're remembered. And they're not and they're not necessarily great shows if you rewatch them, but they are remembered. A lot of it is nostalgia. So they're there. I think they have a, a long thing. Batman is another one that show. They they have have nostalgia. I don't think this will have nostalgia. Nor it's, it's five minutes old. Yeah, I, I can uh, see again, where Mike's think coming from a little more now that I've thought of that example. I think it's it's a, again it's a question of is it hitting the head or the heart? Right. And I think if this is the, the for the people who are loving this show, they're loving it. And I think this will have that appeal. It's not hitting you there. Okay. Now to it, move it, on. Okay. So since we want to move on, I have either. a question. Well, well, yes. Since we want to move right, on, I have a question. We'll agree to disagree. We agree to disagree. I have Go a on. question. Uh, so Christina, what was she doing? <laughs> And I mean that yeah, generally the, 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 at the, the docks. Doc what was she doing? I don't get it. I missed something. She was putting herself in Emmett Till's place, right? She said, right, she doesn't care. I don't get that. She says, oh, you're right. I don't care. I don't feel anything. Now about, I understand. Thank you. Right. And she just <laughs> wanted to feel, and she just went, and so, and, and this is, I think, a now, possible did, did redemption. Feel, did she feel it? Does she now care? Right. I don't I, think so, Mike. I think, oh, I think I she think did. She comes out. Oh, all right. I thought they would purposely make the the white woman still be the villain because she just still won't care even after experiencing it herself because of, you know, the the white devil type of, you know, stereotype in in various literature. Well, here's the thing. You, you, you You never know how someone will take a lesson. Um... And so, uh, well, I'm curious what what you think the screenwriter and showrunner is going. I don't care about the character because right now you're right. The character we don't know yet. So we where no do you idea. think it's going? Yeah. Is what I'm asking. I, so I think that I think she's she's doing that to experience that. She she clearly experiences how horrible that is. Um, I think she's doing it because of her relationship with Ruby, um, and this may be offering a sliver of hope to redemption for her character, but let's, who knows how her character is going to process this because her character is clearly mentally and emotionally screwed up. And, you know, just as like, you know, you, you can have a, a normal person can play a video game and process their emotions some way. Someone else will play that game or read that book, or whatever, and, and act out on it in a way that is completely inappropriate because their processing system is completely inappropriate. So I don't know how right, she's going to process this. Do you I think they're going I don't know. I, I think I, don't, I understand that. We, we 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 know that the character will have a quandary, but I'm just curious if you think the screenwriters are going to keep the the white woman as evil or potential villain. I don't. Or know. do you think I, they're going to have? But what's your opinion? All right, you don't know. I That's don't fair. know. That's my yeah, opinion. I don't know where they're going. I just said I, said. I said. I got you. I got you. I said. I got you. Yeah, you don't have to answer it if you don't know. That's fine. I was just curious if you. Had, I, if I don't you even have a suspicion. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I could see them. I can see them using uh, this as a redemptive arc, and I can still see her, be like letting. Or it could make her more of a villain because. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could make her more of a villain or a redemptive. I'm just. I'm thinking they're going to leaning towards making her more of a villain because. It's obviously, the they're doing 
her. Yes, exactly. Well, who's our villain going to be if she's not? Right. The cop's that's, that's... dead now, so she either has to oh, well, be trying to sacrifice Tick, or what do we have? Well, they, well, well, they have the cop that's, that's like, the Frankenstein cop. They still have him there, right? He's Isn't still... he the one that got his arm ripped Somebody. off? He's got no. his arm ripped off, but, he's still, he, but he might be still alive. You're right, he, he might be still alive. But the thing is, when they talked yeah. about somebody getting handed somebody with a mechanical arm, did they say woman or man? Right. That's, That's a good, a good question. Woman. Okay. okay. Woman. Well, then it's not Lancaster. <laughs> well, it depends well, on what they the... stick his head on now. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's um, true. But the yeah. thing is, is that yeah. Lancaster. Well, all I have to do is stick his brain. Well, okay. Lancaster, I mean, he lost an arm, but we don't see him dying. Okay. I mean, he's not one of the cops that you see flying around all over the place. No, he's you not see his arm get. See his arm get ripped off. So, but the thing is, is that another theory that I have. Remember, I don't know how many episodes it was back. We we're talking about the story about the guy who said, "I have your back." Do you remember that? I mean, it's like it was like first episode, first scene. You had the guy dressed in a baseball like Jackie Robinson with the yeah, baseball yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Jackie Robinson. Yeah, it was Jackie and Robinson. And then later on, yeah. I think it was George who said, you know, talked about the story where this guy comes out of nowhere with a baseball bat and it says, I, he says, I have your back. That was Montrose in a fever dream and he's, and he's having that nightmare and then he talks about it right. when he wakes up to tick. Well, my, my wondering is, is that if this is, if it actually happened, would it, would that be tick's son? No, well, maybe I st- I was still Could thinking it's going to be take, but it's definitely a, a, a time travel issue somewhere. Yeah. yeah, but it might be because the thing is, is that they focused a lot. I know one thing I noticed, and I don't know if it, this is just bad bad direction or what, but when they held the book uh, Lovecraft Country, they focused a bit on the picture of the author. Like, they wanted you to remember that face. Well, it's either that, or they wanted you to see that that George Freeman was not the George Freeman we already knew. Well, Tick could have, well, Tick said that. Tick said, Tick said, it's my People, son. <laughs> some audiences are dense, and some showrunners aren't particularly good at their craft. Just saying. Yeah, um, that's true, but, but I mean, they focus. That's the, the reason why this show won't be remembered. It, uh, no, it's not, you it's said true. you were giving up that argument for now. Uh, Phil, Phil, disagree. Phil, lost his face was a Phil shitty Phil. show, and people still remember it fondly. There are all sorts <laughs> of no, crappy nostalgia. TV series that people remember well. Phil, nostalgia <laughs> does not happen overnight. Nostalgia happens 20 years after the fact. We're talking <laughs> going to be nostalgia now. Nobody okay, was nostalgia for, for, for lost his face in the 60s. What are what are we missing from the rest of this episode? What else do we need to discuss? So I do like the the thing with Montrose. I liked him joking about, um, you know, please tell or was please tell me it has a happy ending. The story. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah. about not seeing characters like this in a genre, like I thought it was great seeing Michael K. Williams reading the spell book. You know, and this is the guy who was Omar Little and Chalky White. And, you know, this is a role that, you know, what you expect to see like David Warner from The Omen doing. Right. Um, so I th- I just thought that was kind of a cool moment. I feel um, like he had the best scenes in the whole episode. 
Yeah, probably. But so let's can we can we get to 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 Topsy and Bobsy? Can we get to the 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 uh, back to the? Here's my problem with them. First of all, I you know so Topsy is a is a slave girl bought for I think Eva in, in Uncle Tom's cabin, um, as her own little pet project to raise. Um, and the only thing that really matters here though is her the image on the book. Because and then Eva, who's the white girl, kind of becomes her mirror twin. And by the way, I think there's a lot of mirroring in this episode. You know, like you have uh, George and uh, not not George, Tick and Montrose talking about uh, his impending fatherhood. You get kind of a mirroring there. You obviously have, you know, some duality going on with 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 uh, with uh, Christina and with Rose and with Christina mirroring Emmett's death. Um, you know, so you get a lot of instances of, of sort of mirroring issues throughout the episode. Um, and so you have the, the black girl, the white girl kind of as, as, a ref, as reflections of each other and a twisted version of the, 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 you know, the caricature right on the cover of the uncle Tom book um, and sort of representing the nightmare coming to go after her. And I thought they were great and creepy, but we are never told I'm going to cite one of Phil's all-time favorite films, which is It Follows. We know when It Follows you, it's going to catch you and kill you. We never find out what's going to happen if these two ever happen to catch up Mm -hmm. to um, to D. And and you know, it is a thing where they're kind of going after her very aimlessly, right? They're not running after her. There are only. Yeah, it's more to- it's more toying. Like like for example, you said it follows the creature in that or Michael Myers in Halloween. You know if the creature or Michael Myers catches you, you're dead. Here, it's almost like they're toying rather than actually they're pursuing, but they're more toying rather than trying to actually get to her. It seems I, I don't know. Yeah, I well, saw you know some- what I'm saying. At, at the end, though, they they I mean they. Because uh, I think it was Montrose that holds on to her yeah, and says, Hey, settle down, settle down. All of a sudden you see these things happen and like these this weird stuff happening in her arm. Right. And, uh, and know what right. and, and know what that left me feeling? What the fuck did I just watch? That's what it left me feeling. Yeah. It left and this goes back to the yeah. not being clear with the audience and then not resolving it within the episode. Right? So we then cut away from that. We then right. so we're left. With Montrose holding on to her, and we don't know what's wrong with her. We don't even get, you know, and and we're instead they choose to end on the on the other scene. Now, if they had, if that was the final image of the episode, all right, then we'd know this is a cliffhanger to be carried yep. into the next thing. Yep, exactly my problem with that scene. Yep, and, and so that I think should have been the very last ep- uh, scene of the episode, in my opinion, because yeah. then we know it's a cliffhanger, as yeah. opposed to here where it's just sort of, oh wait a minute, that happened. Did they set? Did they? Did they resolve that? No, they didn't. They just left it like that. Well, that kind of sucks. It, it's just, and that goes back to the structural problems with the entire episode, to me, where they just cram so much in to make up for the fact that they weren't able to do it in the last three episodes. They're trying to make up for lost time, and I think it's biting him in the ass here. Right. Speaking, you mentioned like uh, Letitia's pregnancy. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that Letitia and Tick just don't elope because if it's the 1950s pregnancy, you, you would think you would want to be, you know, married. 
read, right? I, I mean, this is just a little nitpick, but I was I, I keep on thinking of that for the past two episodes. Well, like, he hasn't. Once she found out. Well, she hasn't told him yet. Right. Yeah, but he knows he's a father. He's coming. But doesn't he, she doesn't, doesn't know that he knows. And and she doesn't know that he knows. And this is another thing I'm just realizing. I don't know that she knows where he went. Yeah. He's talking about his adventures in the future in the book by his son. He's talking that with You're very right. casually so with he his finds father. Out that she's, yeah, so he finds out she's pregnant, but he, he, but he hasn't gotten to tell her that I know yet. Because they right. only meet at the very... Uh, well, no, they, no, don't they meet when... The Korean woman comes, and he could have told her then, too, right? Didn't he already know at that point? Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, he's not telling her about an important thing that happened to him. <laughs> yeah. All right. It, it, it's just, yeah, okay. It's it's, it's, it's a little, yeah. Well, but I also, like, from a very human point of view, I understand it, because, look, it's a it's a thing for women to be able to tell the, 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 the father when they're pregnant, right? It's a thing. Yeah, right. And so I perfectly understand that he doesn't want to be the one to come in and just say, I ruined the surprise for her. He doesn't want to push the issue. He doesn't want to force it. He wants her to say something when she's ready. And, and at least he's prepared for it. And I'm sure he knows how he's going to respond. And then they may very well elope or just get married or, or do whatever they have to do um, or choose to do that, that, that I don't think is a big issue. Um, I, I just think that it just, again, so much gets shoved in. And there's so much missing from the end of last week to this week, the beginning of this week. It's just that, again, that discontinuity. And we we, we still don't necessarily know where, what, what everybody knows, when they know it. Uh, it's one of the things I did like. I like the fact that Ruby just kind of dumped everything on, on Letty. I like the fact that Letty turns around and says, she's using you. You are nuts. Don't trust her. And Ruby... Because we've all had these conversations with people who are in a relationship. No, no, I'm getting what I want out of this. Like, <laughs> and and I understand there's going if people have never been in a relationship like that or never known someone in a relationship like that, they're gonna they, they may find it implausible because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, people in that kind of a relationship don't don't make sense, and they yeah. don't listen to the people. We're, we're uh, on the outside or maybe seeing things a little bit more clearly, you know, because you know, we have a different relationship with Christina than Ruby does. Um, but I do kind of like that. Again, there's that aspect of that character and that character has changed. Right. It's one of the things I said, one of the reasons I like her character and I liked um, and I was really liking um, and I mentioned this two episodes ago, I think uh, I was liking uh, uh, Hippolyta. With with her African name, Apollo. <laughs> um, was, was, was that that she's a character? These are characters that were actual show, actually showing growth and change and development, you know. And that she has gone from wanting nothing, wanting nothing more than a job in a freaking department store, to now realizing she does. She wants more than that, and she wants to carve out. She doesn't want to be white. She wants to carve out a place. She doesn't want to live in the white. Well, she wants to carve out a world of her own. She wants a place in the world of her own. I think that's a that's a good development for her character. I just think it's going to end well. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, based off of what, what this story's uh, theme is, it's probably not going to end well. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's the reason why I think the Christina character 
is going to come out as a sociopath rather than empathy because the theme of the show. So I, I think everything with the theme of the show, I mean, but if it really felt, fell, followed the Lovecraft, as you said earlier, Mike, yeah, I mean, Letitia would be dead. Tick would be in a nut house and all the peripheral characters, you know, it doesn't really even matter. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Love, again, though, the, even though there's the Shargoths or what, Look, are supposed to be Shargoths are in this. I, it's almost like the show, and maybe even the novel. I, I, Kevin would be able to speak better since he's read the book. Um, Lovecraft is really just a marketing tool in, in, in reality more than anything else. It, it lets people know it's horror, and it brings in audiences who follow Lovecraft, and Lovecraft is, is pretty popular in in the, this day and age. And it sounds good. It's catchy. It's it's horror, and it's also a callback to the pulp era. Um, and if you're going yeah. to, you know, and yeah. you know, and I, uh, you know, it's calling it like Asimov country doesn't ring, you know, quite sound the same. You know, Lovecraft just has a good ring to it, and it's a popular name, and so that's the thing that you can use to evoke uh, that period of time um, and that sort of genre. Um, I, you know, and like calling it Burroughs country, you know. Uh, it just yeah, doesn't right, right. doesn't doesn't ring the bell. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. Lovecraft, even though those are all influences. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Lovecraft is such a distinct name, and he's as important as any of those other f- folks that you mentioned. But his name is is more uh, a marketable, well known name. It's like the name Kennedy, right? When you say president, oh, Kennedy, Kennedy. Everybody, right. everybody thinks Kennedy. You know. It, it, it's a certain names or personalities uh, have a bigger draw, even if they're no more or less important than other names that aren't right. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of another example, uh, like Ernest Hemingway and William Faulkner are big names. Yet uh, uh, Flannery O'Connor is, is as important as them, but her, you know, she's not as, as well known except being a, um, considered a racist pig <laughs> by, by folks, but but my point is is that uh, there's a bunch of famous people who aren't necessarily uh, as marketable or as famous as their name would. They're more footnotes in a history book or whatever, you know. I well, mean, General I mean, Allenby in Lawrence Arabia, he had a great line. He goes, "Lawrence, they're going to remember you." This is from the movie. They're going to remember you. But to remember General Allenby, they're going to have to look me up in a history book. Right. You know, Allenby's is important. You know, he's not a personality. Go, but go on, Mike. Right. I would say like Stephen King. Now, Stephen King's successful for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons he works so right. well is because of the name. And because the name looks is like perfect name for putting on a, the title of a book. Where you get to have the the... The, the first name in little font and the last name in massive font and you know in a font that you could see his name from across the bookstore or across the supermarket or wherever it is you can see his his name on the top from a mile away and see there's Stephen King you know in a way that you you know and it just and it just rolls off the tongue in a way that say Dean Koontz doesn't quite do it or even or or or, or even you know um, you know a Tom Clancy Tom Clancy was usually successful but it's as a marketing name give me Stephen King every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's a running joke about, um, Adolf Hitler. Um, his, one of his aunts, his mother's maiden name or something was Schickel Gruber. Yeah. And one of his, one of his generals, 
uh, made a joke. He says, thank God he didn't take his mother's last name because it just doesn't work well like Hail Hitler does. You know, so, and, you know, that's Hail a bigger, Gruber. Yeah, Hail Schuchel Gruber isn't going to work, right? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I see, I see exactly what you're saying there, Mike. That's, that's a really good point. And, you know, Lawrence of Arabia versus General Allenby. It's like, yeah, there's no, there's no comparison. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe this is more of a well, marketing. Let, let me ask you, uh, Kevin, since you read the book, Lovecraft Country, is is it very much like Lovecraft stuff, or is it more just an homage or something? And you know, you know what I'm saying. Oh, going through the book. Uh... The only time we really see anything, just I'm, I'm just going through it in my mind. I mean, we obviously, I mean, when we saw it when the uh, in the first like two episodes, you know, when the monsters came out, you know, in the first two episodes, you know, when they went to Artem instead of Arkham, you know, and that's where they get the whole name Lovecraft Country. But through the rest of the book, um, I mean, there's spells in the book. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an I'm not an expert in Lovecraft. So, I mean, I've read a few. I've read quite a few, but not all of them. So, I don't know if there's ever a care if there's ever a character with any of the books that has the mark of Cain on them. Um, I don't know about. I don't remember ever seeing like a ritual like what we see what happened with Tick, where he had to pretty much be sacrificed but for some reason that didn't work and all that sort of thing i mean i don't yeah i'm it's it's just about as lovecraftian in the book as it is in the show now like i said i like the book better um it's funny because i was just reading a couple uh review while we while you were i think while you were arguing I decided to read just a couple of reviews of the show. Those people who liked it a lot, you know, posted their thing like a month ago. Um, one person was saying like, just a, like last week, Oh, there's nothing woke about this at all. It's like, okay, you're an idiot. Um, but, um, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, but okay. Nobody was. I'm sorry. If you, if you can't, if you can't see that, whether you, no, whether you agree, it's a good thing or agree that it's a bad thing. It, it's there. I, I just don't, yeah. I don't, you no. you can't miss that. Yeah. Okay. So not yeah, yeah, if, if anybody but, says, if anybody says otherwise, Kevin, all right, they may, if you don't want to be quote unquote rude and say they're idiots, they're definitely uh, biased and are purposely looking for, for other things. Like Mike mentioned, a couple episodes ago in our podcast where certain people will like and defend things just because it's what they want rather than if it's good. And, and that may be um, the case with this idiot. Yeah. Well, the thing, okay. And, and well, but anyway, um, I, I mean, I will admit that in the book, the, uh, the spit thing does happen by Lancaster. um, and then, <clears throat> but the thing is, is that the, and it, it's, I mean, obviously like, uh, like Atticus so had nicely told us that, you know, D is actually a boy 
And, um, and in this case, yeah, it was, uh, they, they hit, they got the boy because, because they found a comic and one of his comics and, uh, they figured out where the comic came from. They, they get to him. They, they don't spit on his forehead. The guy spits, rubs it, it rubs it, spits in his hands, rubs it in his, between his hands and then rubs it in the back of the kid's head. Um, which is not exactly, uh, which is also disgusting. But the whole point is, is and so the kid is, uh, the, the boy is seeing things, not, um, not the way we're, not in the, in the TV show, like the two, the two girls dancing around. It's more, he, he is freaked out. But the thing is, every time he tries to say something or even say what happened to him from the cops, he, he chokes, he can't talk. And he real and the thing is, is that also Lancaster's voice goes into his head because pretty much what, he's, what Lancaster is doing is um, he's sending him as a essentially as a walking bug, you know, listening device. Essentially, they he has to be their eyes and ears, and so and he figures that out, and so what he's trying to do is warn them. And he realizes if he writes it, he's going to he's going to get sick. And so he's drawing it in comics to try to hint at it uh, to say, hey, this is what's going on. And so finally, I think it was Ruby. Uh, I think it was Ruby uh, because Ruby was babysitting him. And Ruby was kind of looking through the comics and she starts asking him yes and no questions. So he could just nod his head or shake his head and he'd be all right. And that's when Ruby figures it out. And so that's and, and the thing is, we see that in the comings where for next week, when um, Ruby, you know, I mean, the, they figure out, OK, you know, D is cursed. And OK, how are we going to do this? And Ruby says, well, let me call Christina. And that's kind of what they do with Horace. Uh, the, the male equivalent in the book is let's call Horace. Horace is like pretty much makes a deal like all right you know i can i can break this and what happens is as though is that uh they they also figure out how to essentially uh, definitely spoil warning how to essentially neutralize horace's powers and because uh, he does horace has the mark of cane on him but they figure out a way to do something to the mark of cane on him where he is still um protected but he can't do any more magic now i just completely went in a very roundabout way to your question i'm sorry um but like no, did, did, but going oh, we, back we were gonna... to, to, to initially re re-answer your question the only thing that was really lovecraftian was at the beginning of the book okay Alright, so it has a minor uh, homage to it at the beginning, but generally it's it's more uh, not directly related to Lovecraft. It's, it's not part of the Cthulhu mythos, I guess, that all these general authors have written in the past with the right. Cthulhu's I, and all the monsters. Cthulhu, yeah, okay. Cthulhu makes, does not make an appearance in the book. And what I, about the Shagas? Uh, yeah, they were they were in the book uh, at the beginning, 
Like remember, okay, um, okay. you know when the like remember when I mentioned in the beginning the where cabin. they were when they well, actually they weren't in a cabin they were just in the woods. Um, gotcha. Yep. But that, uh, but yeah, I mean the the creatures attacked and um, and then all of a sudden the three of uh, yeah the three of them find their way to the mansion and they're kind of like how the heck did we get here? Um, and that's that's the extent of it. And like I said me, in the book, the it doesn't blow up. Let, let me ask you this: uh, are the Shoggoths later in the book? I mean, you no. just mentioned they, they probably weren't. So, so what the scene we saw with the the spell that protects Tick with these monsters that, that, that's not in the book. Gotcha. They, not in the book. Gotcha. All right. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up in this episode that we missed, or, or there was themes that we wanted to bring up? Anything? I, I mentioned the the marriage thing already. Uh, any anybody else have anything that they wanted to bring up? I I still think that Tick's son is going to have a, a part to play in this. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. 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 But it would be nice here, if, we, if we if we run into him before. Right. Right. Yeah, well, well, that's that's what, what I was thinking about the the Till character, the, the that you know that's a real life character. If they had had him talk to D at the beginning, you know, one of the earlier episodes, it wouldn't have just been a, a surprise, um, you know, cold opening. We said, oh my god, Till's dead, and okay, they're okay. That's that's why D's all upset and stuff. I mean, obviously everybody's going to be upset anyway because it's it's a civil rights uh, issue. Never mind. Uh, the death of 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 a, of a boy, a young man. But if if they had had the character earlier in the TV show, I think it would have worked better for us, the audience, uh, to empathize with these situation. I think, but, but uh, that, that could just be a nitpick too. I'm sure. Um, all right. Anything else? Anyone? Anyone? All right. I guess that's it. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, next week's episode, which is the uh, what, what's that called, Mike? The episode before the finale, the penultimate. Ultimate. There you go. Yep, the penultimate is called Rewind 1921, and this is where Mr. Mike mentioned an excellent thing about possible time travel again, uh, similar to the last episode with uh, Deanna's mom. Uh, uh, here, Rewind 1921, it's either going to be a flashback or it's going to be a time travel story, most likely if the title represents what actually happens. Uh, this one's going to be direct, directed by Jeffrey Nachmanoff, uh, uh, who is the screenwriter of such things as The Day After T- Tomorrow, uh, the, the Gyllenhaus, uh, Gyllenhaal film, and uh, uh, the Quaid brother there, uh, not Randy, uh, did Dennis Quaid. Um, and then uh, uh, he's done a number of television shows directed as well, uh, such as Homeland and uh, The Passage and such. Um, and it is written by uh, Misha Green again, uh, uh, Jonathan Kidd and Sonia Winton. Uh, Jonathan Kidd and Sonia Winton, I have no idea who they are, but uh, Misha Green again is the showrunner of this show, and she's pretty much is a writer or co-writer of every episode of the series. Uh, and that will debut on October 11th. Uh, so, uh, and we will be back, 
I think we're going to record on October 12th again because uh, uh, Kevin has that open, and, and then after that we'll move it again to Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, all right, so I guess the, we can give our final. Is that the What's Monday, that the 12th? Yes, that's Monday to 12th. Yeah. So uh, we will uh, uh, give our final thoughts again. Uh, Mike, you can give a, I guess your final thoughts after our discussion and whatnot with your feel and stuff. Yeah. So like I said, I found this a frustrating episode uh, because I thought there were, I found there were real storytelling gaps. If you're not interested in that, if you're just interested in, you know, in the other, in other aspects of it, then I think this episode could have worked well for you. You know, I thought the, you know, the, the two girls were, were sufficiently creepy if that's what you really want. Um, I, I do think if you're, if you're really into the, 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 the themes that it's dealing with, I think it played those fairly well. Um, if you're into the gratuitous, gratuitous violence and magic, I think there's some of that there too. For me, I just have a hard time getting past the, um, the storytelling issues. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I, I honestly just felt it was it was kind of a plotting episode, also a mishmash of trying to uh, put together loose ends or, or story plots from some of these prior episodes that they had that felt out of place. Um, I felt it was unfortunate that, again, uh, only a, a third of the episode, if, if even that, uh, focus on the, the main story. And when I say the main story, I mean Tick and Letitia, or specifically Tick. Um, and, uh, yeah, the ending, even though it was really cool, um, the last three minutes, it was kind of like what Mike said, uh, do ex machina. So it was kind of strange uh, and felt out of place, but even it was at least exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't really much of on this episode. Uh, hopefully uh, the next two episodes will uh, pick it up and, and somehow uh, uh, put, if not the entire series, at least those two episodes in a, in a higher place than, than what I felt so far. Uh, Barrett? Um, I don't feel much differently after discussing the episode than I did at the beginning. Um, I think it was not technically a great episode. Um, it's probably my second least favorite there are aspects of it I liked, but it just didn't make a good episode for me. And I'm having a hard time seeing where this is coming to an, a satisfying conclusion for me. But we'll see. Two more episodes. All right. And uh, Kevin? Uh, like I said, there was a lot of story elements in this one that we will see in the future. I think it was choppy uh, overall like was mentioned a few times during this episode and they have two episodes left so I'm projecting a lot more choppiness uh, just because they're going to be trying to cover so much in so little time probably so but uh, I, like I said I still found this one to be one of the more enjoyable episodes yes I like the first two episodes, I liked the haunted house. And then after that, it was just kind of bleh. And then this one is so, so, um, I mean, it's still definitely a, for me, it was a respite, um, uh, as an improvement for the left from the last two episodes that we had two or three episodes that we had, but I'm, uh, I still am in agreement that this was, choppy and plot uh i wouldn't i don't know if i would say plot holes but um 
not a. It, it could have flowed better. All right, very good. Um, all right, so uh, once again, uh, where you you can find us? Well, Michael actually give us all that good information when he wraps up the episode. So, uh, Mike, why don't you lead us out? Uh, thank you once again for listening to A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country. Uh, we will be back next week to cover episode nine, the penultimate episode in the series. If you like us, please leave us a, retune, uh, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any uh, other place where you can find podcasts. Um, and if you're also interested in hearing what else we have to say and other things and other venues, uh, you have a whole plethora of other podcasts under the Dark Discussions Network umbrella. And you can find us on the Dark Discussions Facebook page. Uh, so until then, we'll join Lovecraft Country or whatever it is you do with it. Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? On that day, I run to the rock. Please hide me, I run to the rock.